All right, guys, we're in Acts chapter 25. Now, I told you, I mentioned to you that, you know, there are 28 chapters in the book of Acts. The last eight chapters deal with Paul's arrest and subsequent trials, defenses he has to give concerning his ministry. And we've seen the progression all the way from when he was first arrested in the temple and he was making a defense to the people there. And as soon as he mentioned the word Gentiles, they wanted to kill him. He made his defense before the council. It was already stacked against him. He appealed to the Pharisees there concerning he's being persecuted for his belief in the resurrection. That ended up into a big kerfuffle there. So they ended up taking him because of a plot. Remember, 40 guys made made an oath saying that they would not eat or drink anything until Paul was dead. Remember that? So they ended up taking him away to Caesarea to the procurator, whose name at that point was a fellow by the name of Felix. Not necessarily a good guy, an evil guy. And so that's where we left off. He gave his defense before Felix last week. We looked at that. Now we're going to look at him giving his defense before another procurator, the new guy on the block, whose name is Festus. Now, here, here, let me, before we look at this, let me tell you a little bit about Festus. Unlike Felix, we know a lot about Felix. We don't really know anything about Festus because Festus uh, was appointed to the position by Nero, but he's only mentioned here. There's no other record of it as they can find concerning this guy named Festus. So all we know about Festus is what is in the book of Acts. So let's look today. We're going to look at chapter 25. Let's look, first of all, at verses 1 to 5, okay? Look at the chapter 25, verses 1 to 5. Now, when Festus had come to the province, after three days, he went up from Caesarea to Jerusalem. Then the high priests and the chief men of the Jews informed him against Paul, and they petitioned him, asking a favor against him that he would summon him to Jerusalem, which they lay in ambush along the road to kill him. But Festus answered that Paul should be kept in Caesarea and that he himself was going there shortly. Therefore, he said, let those who have authority among you go down with me and accuse this man to see if there's any fault in him. So let's take a look at what's going on here. First of all, Festus gets appointed procurator, so he's going to replace Felix. First place he goes to is Jerusalem, all right? So when Festus became procurator, he traveled from Caesarea to Jerusalem. Why would he go there? Because that's the center of life, both religiously and civically, for the Jewish people there in Palestine. So he's going there to meet with the Jewish leaders. Now, it's interesting. Let me just stop for a moment. This is two years after Paul made his defense to Felix. This is two years after he made his defense. So think for a moment, if you're those 40 guys and you've sworn not to eat anything or drink anything until you kill Paul, it's two years later, you're probably in a big hurt, okay? So here's what I want you to see. So 
This is two years later. New procurator shows up. And let, let me just go ahead and tell you, they have not forgotten Paul in Jerusalem. The Jewish leaders petitioned him to bring Paul to Jerusalem to stand trial. The Jewish leaders were like, hey, you need to bring him down here so that he could be tried here in Jerusalem. Now, the reason why they did that is they wanted to lay an ambush along the road to kill Paul in order to kill him. They wanted to, you know, even, even though he might be protected by, a, they wanted to make sure that they launched an ambush and kill him. Because all it takes is just an arrow. Do you know what I'm saying? It doesn't take somebody physically going up and killing him. They can kill him from the distance just so they get him killed. They want to make sure that this happens. Now, it's interesting. Look at what happens. However, Festus stated that Paul should be kept in Caesarea where he, where he would judge him. So Festus doesn't, he doesn't understand completely what's going on, but he says, no, the guy's got to stay here in Caesarea where I can judge him there. Now, why do you think that Festus wants him kept in Caesarea? Based upon what we know about Paul, based upon what we know about what's going on, why do you think he wants Paul kept in Caesarea? I uh, may not, Gene says maybe they know that, that, that he's going to ambush him. Well, yeah, maybe he's heard that the Jews want him dead. Okay, that's possible. Why else do you think, though? Roman citizen. So he's, he's, he's thinking, this guy's a Roman citizen, and as far as the Romans are concerned, who's the only one who can try a Roman citizen? Romans, yes. It's, it's the same thing in our culture. You know, a lot of times you'll see foreign governments want to try American soldiers or whatever, and as far as the American government is concerned, the only one who can try them is who? Americans, right? Do you understand what I'm saying? Our judicial system, so we ignore that. Same thing, Romans had the same attitude, same perspective. Look, he's a Roman citizen. He's going to be tried in Caesarea by me, okay? He's saying, by me is what Festus is saying here. So, upon arriving in Caesarea, Paul appeared before Festus the next day, okay? Paul appeared. So let's look, look at verses 6 through 12. And when he had remained among them more than ten days, he went down to Caesarea, and the next day, sitting in judgment seat, he commanded Paul to be brought. And when he had come, the Jews who had come down from Jerusalem stood about and laid many serious complaints against Paul, which they could not prove. All right, I want you to take note of what the text is saying here. They made a lot of serious complaints, but notice what the text is saying. They couldn't prove any of them. And when, <clears throat> while he answered for himself, neither against the law of the Jews, nor against the temple, nor against Sever, have I offended in anything at all. Now notice verse 9. This is a, look at this interesting statement. But Festus, wanting to do the Jews a favor, answered Paul and said, Are you willing to go up to Jerusalem and there be judged before me concerning these things? You notice what's going on there? We'll talk about it for a moment, okay? 
So Paul said, I stand at Caesar's judgment seat, where I ought to be judged. To the Jews I have done no wrong, as you very well know. As you very well know. For I am an offend- if I'm an offender, I've committed anything deserving of death, I do not object to dying. But if there is nothing to these things of which these men accuse me, no one can deliver me to them. I appeal to Caesar. And then Festus said, when he conferred with the council, answered, you have appealed to Caesar, to Caesar you shall go. So let's talk about this, okay? First of all, notice again, upon arriving in Caesarea, Paul appeared before Festus. So Festus, he stayed in Jerusalem 10 days, went back to Caesarea. The very next day, he has Paul brought before him because the case is fresh on his mind. He knows that he needs to take care of this. Because Paul's been sitting in Caesarea for two years. Two years now, waiting for judgment. The Jewish leaders presented many serious complaints against Paul without evidence. So once again, remember when we saw 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 them bringing accusations against Paul before Felix? Paul said, hey, where are the people who accused me? Where are the people who saw me do this? They didn't bring anybody. They're just bringing accusations, okay? Bringing accusations. Paul proclaimed that he had done no offense against the Jewish law, the temple, or Caesar. So Paul's very clear. Look, I haven't done anything against their laws. I haven't done anything against that temple. I haven't even done anything against Roman law, against Caesar. Wanting to do a favor, Festus asked Paul about standing trial in Jerusalem. Okay, stop for a moment. What do you think is going on now? You think the issue is justice? I heard heard one no. Do you think the issue is justice, folks? No. What is the issue now? What's the issue? Political. Bruce said it. It's about politics. It's about keeping the peace. It's really not about whether or not Paul's innocent or not, is it? The thing is, is he wants to appease the Jews. Now, why would the Roman procurator want to do that? Is this a peaceful province as far as the Romans are concerned? No, not a, it's not a peaceful province at all. In fact, this was like the, the backside of nowhere that you would get sent, okay, because it's not a peaceful province. Okay? I mean, how many of you would like to be the ambassador to the Bahamas? Would you like that? Yeah, sure, you would. How many of you would like to be the ambassador to Afghanistan? Nobody, right? I mean, this is what we're talking about, the difference here. So he's wanting to make sure that everything's he's got to keep everybody pacified and everybody happy, so he's wanting to make sure the Jews stay happy because the Jews obviously want Paul dealt with. So he makes the suggestion, hey, Paul... Let's go. You think you would mind going down to Jerusalem and answering for this down there? It's become a political thing now. It's not about justice. It's about politics. But notice now, because he did not, because he had not done anything to the Jews, Paul appealed to Caesar. Notice now, Paul has an ace up his sleeve. He's got an ace up his sleeve that is given to him because he is a Roman citizen. Now, if Paul was just a Jewish citizen, 
just a Jew, could he have appealed to Caesar? No, he couldn't have. But because he was a Roman citizen, he had the right, as a Roman citizen, if he felt that he was not having his case heard right, he could appeal all the way to the judgment seat of Caesar. Now, where was that? Anybody know where the judgment seat of Caesar was? In Rome. Now, he's in Jerusalem, Caesarea, just outside of Jerusalem, along the coast. He wants to go all the way to Rome to have it heard. Because Paul's not dumb, folks. Paul already knows that these folks want him what? Dead. And he already knows that there are 40 people who haven't eaten anything for two years, right? Who want him dead. Is that not right? Probably another 40. They probably died of starvation, right? Okay. But the point is, is they want him dead. And he knows that he should not go down there, so he whips out his ace card. He whips out that card and says, look, things ain't going the way they should be going here. It doesn't matter if I'm telling you, I just, you know, even though it looks like I'm innocent, send me to Caesar. I have the right to go to Caesar, okay? I have the right to go to Caesar. Now, because he appealed to Caesar, Festus commanded that Paul will go to Caesar. Now look, I think it's interesting. You can miss it in the text. Look with me at verse 12. Look at verse 12. Then Festus, when he had conferred with the council. So Festus at first, when Paul makes this appeal, does he make that decision immediately? No, he's got to talk to somebody. Why has he got to talk to somebody? Why do you think he's got to talk to somebody? Well, he's the, he's, the, he's the head top banana, okay? He's the head honcho. It's not so much a chain of command. And he wants to appease the Jews, but now Paul has thrown the ace card out there. He's a Roman citizen. Remember now, remember when they wanted to scourge him? They couldn't do things against him because as a Roman, people who did something to him wrongly as a Roman, they would get in trouble, remember? This is the same thing now. He's thrown the appeal out there, he's going to appeal to Caesar himself. Now, Festus is a Roman. As much as he would like to make the Jews happy, he's, he's going to make, he's got to confer with people because it's kind of like he's caught on a rock in a hard place now. Do you understand what I'm saying? Do I just send him to the Jews? And if I do that, I might get in what? trouble. So he confers with his council, who are not Jews, folks. They're, they're Roman. They're Romans. Do you understand? Roman leaders, they're with him, and they probably said to him, you know, you've got no choice now. you got no choice. This guy's appealed. He's a Roman citizen. He's appealed. You've got no choice. You have to send him where? You have to send him to Caesar. Okay? You have to send him to Caesar. So you can see The issue isn't justice here, folks. I want you to understand that. The issue isn't justice, but see, God's with Paul, isn't he? Because remember, we we told you when he was arrested, that night when he was arrested, Jesus appeared to Paul and said what? I'm sending you to who? I'm sending you to Rome to appear before who? Caesar. Do you understand what I'm saying? Caesar. So, it's very interesting to me. So let's look now. Let's look at verses 13 through 22. 
Because Festus has got a problem, and he doesn't know how to handle this thing, so he's going to try to seek some guidance, okay? So look with me. He's going to seek some guidance from a fellow by the name of King Herod Agrippa II. King Herod Agrippa II. Now, look with me at verse 13. And I can tell you a little bit about these folks. These are folks who are supposed to stand in judgment of Paul, but I'm going to tell you in a minute here, they are not righteous themselves, okay? So let's look. Verse 13. After some days, King Herod Agrippa and Bernice came to Caesarea to meet Festus. And when they had been there many days, Festus laid Paul's case before the king, saying, There is a certain man left a prisoner by Felix, about whom the chief priests and elders of the Jews informed me when I was in Jerusalem asking for a judgment against him. To them I answered, It is not the custom of Romans to deliver any man to destruction before the accused meets accusers face, the accusers face to face and has opportunity to answer for himself concerning the charge against him. Therefore, when they had come together without delay the next day, I sat in on the judgment seat and commanded the man to be brought in. And when the accusers stood up, they brought no accusation against him of such things as I supposed, but had some questions against him about their own religion and about a certain Jesus who had died, whom Paul affirmed to be alive. Because I was uncertain of such questions, I asked whether he would be willing to go to Jerusalem and there be judged according to these matters. But when Paul appealed to be reserved for the decision of Augustus, I commanded him to be kept till I could send him to Caesar. Then, Festus, then Agrippa said to Festus, I also would like to hear the man myself. Tomorrow, he said, you shall hear him. Let's talk about it right now. First of all, after a period of time, so we don't know how, many, how long, but after a period of time, King Agrippa and Bernice came to meet Festus. So let me tell you a little bit about King Agrippa the second. He was the son of Herod Agrippa I. Now remember Herod Agrippa I? He was the guy who had James the Apostle killed. This is the son of the guy who had James the Apostle killed. All right? And if you remember, that Herod Agrippa ended up being struck by God and eaten by worms. All right? So this is his son. He's also there with Bernice. Now, who is Bernice? Well, that's Hera Agrippa II's sister. Okay? Bernice is his sister. They're both pretty evil and wicked. Okay? Pretty evil and wicked. They were Jewish, half-Jewish actually, but they were considered Jewish rulers, and they were very much in favor of Rome. They wanted the Roman government to be in charge because they were actually the favorites of Nero. Okay? They were actually the favorites of Nero. Now, let me tell you a little bit about Bernice. She was actually a quite evil woman. She was the eldest of three daughters that Herod Agrippa I had. She lived a pretty incestuous life. She married a guy by the name of Marcus Alexander, but upon his death in A.D. 44, and there's some suspicions as to why he died, but upon his death... Uh, she married her father's brother, 
Herod of Chalcius. So she married her brother, who is actually Herod Agrippa I, brother, okay? So she married her brother, and she had two sons with him. One of their sons actually died in Pompeii. Do you know where Pompeii is? That was the city in Rome that was Mount Vesuvius when it erupted. One of the sons died there in the catastrophe of Vesuvius. Uh, after he died, again, in A.D. 44, so she's got she's twice a widow now, okay? After he died, she lived with her brother, Herod Agrippa, for several years, okay? And she married a guy by the name of Philmon II of Pontius. He was the king of Cilicia, uh, which she, after she married him, she deserted him and went back to Herod Agrippa II. The reason why she married him was she wanted to have the appearance that she was married because she was having a incestuous relationship with her brother, Herod Agrippa II. Okay, So you're looking at a pretty wicked woman here. What we know about her life later on is, is in AD 69, the Romans went to destroy Jerusalem. They were tired of, they just finally had enough. Do you know what I'm saying? Sort of like if you've got a mosquito bothering you, and after a while it lands on your arm, what do you do? You just say, okay, go ahead, take whatever you want. No, you whack it until it's dead, right? That's how the Romans were with the issue of, of the rebellion of the Jews. So what ended up happening is, is this. There was a guy, a Roman commander by the name of Vespian. He ends up, after Nero's death, becoming emperor. He had a son by the name of Titus. Titus is actually a Roman commander as well, and he was left by his father to take care of the Jews, and he destroyed Jerusalem in A.D. 70. Well, the problem is, is Bernice now has a liking for Titus. So they end up having a relationship. So when Vespian becomes emperor, she is now the cohort special lady to the emperor's son. This is pretty, I mean, this is, we sh they should make a soap opera based upon the Bible, should they not, okay? So anyhow, what ends up happening is, is after the temple was destroyed in A.D. 70, Jerusalem is destroyed, Titus goes back to Rome, where he sits with his father. But the problem is, is Vespian dies. So he became emperor in A.D. 79, which makes her, the special lady, think she's even more special. The problem is, is that the Roman social circles did not care for her. So they made him exile her. They made the emperor exile his special lady. And she thought that she was actually going to be able to come back, but the problem is, is that Titus didn't live very long. He was only emperor for two years before he died of natural causes. And then we never hear of Bernice again. Never again. Now, why do I share all that with you? I share all of that with you because these are the people who are standing in judgment of Paul. Sounds like of some pretty righteous folks, right? These are the people who are standing in judgment of Paul. So let's talk about what's going on here. Festus presented Paul's as a case left by Felix that the Jewish leaders wanted judge. He basically says to King Agrippa, hey, look, guys, I've got this case. Felix didn't deal with the case. Now, remember, why did Felix 
not deal with the case for two years. What was he wanting? Do you remember? Money. Yeah, he wanted a bribe. He wanted Paul or Paul's friends to pay him a bribe so he didn't bring any judgment. See, the issue isn't justice, folks. The issue is money, power, politics. Do you understand? So, But now Festus has got this case, and he's got the Jews all upset. They want Paul dead. And so he's saying to King Agrippa, hey, I've got this case. What are we going to do about this guy? I need your help. Okay? I need your help. So Festus told Agrippa that the case against Paul was a religious one about a certain Jesus. Now Festus has got that much on the ball. He realizes that this has nothing to do with civil law. This has to do with religious belief. And concerning some guy that Paul says is alive, named Jesus. Now stop for a moment. Would Festus have known who Jesus was? No. I'll tell you why. He's a Roman. Well, but the message of who, of Christ getting out there isn't that far spread yet among the Romans. He wouldn't have paid attention to whether or not Jesus that's a Jewish issue. In fact, they referred to Christians as a sect of the Jews. Do you understand? He probably didn't pay attention to that, so now he's got this issue. Because notice how he refers to him. Look at what the text says. Look at what the text says. Verse 19, But some questions against him were about their own religion and about a certain Jesus. That phrase there, certain Jesus, means... He has no clue who this Jesus is. So he's saying, this is out of my league. I don't know what they're talking about here. Do you understand what I'm saying? This is out of my league. I don't know what they're talking about. Folks, this is 20 years after Jesus died. I want you to understand that. This is about 15 to 20 years later. So if you're a Roman official who gets sent there, you don't know about all this, so he's like, it's a kind of religious matter, all right? So Festus did not understand the issues, and so he asked Paul to go to Jerusalem. So he's like, I don't understand this stuff, so I asked him if he would go to Jerusalem, and let's settle it there, okay? So now you understand it's not just politics, but also he figures it's a religious issue. Let's let the religious people figure it out, okay? But what he doesn't understand is, Yes, it's a religious issue, but the Dax stacked against Paul, okay? So Festus stated that Paul appealed to Caesar and is waiting to be sent to Rome. He appealed to Caesar and is waiting to be sent to Rome. So, notice now, King Agrippa stated that he would like to hear Paul himself, and it was granted. Now, let me just stop for a moment. Festus may not know anything about Jesus, but do you think King Agrippa II does? Yes. Why? Because he's Jewish, number one. Number two, he's the ruler of that area, and is, has, is there a big influence of the church in that area? Yes, there is. So he would know, but he wants to hear it for himself from Paul. Okay. So notice now with me, verse 23 through 27, this is where we're going to wrap up. The next day, when Agrippa and Bernice had come with great pomp and entered the auditorium with the commanders and the prominent men of the city, as Festus command, at Festus' command, Paul was brought in. 
And Festus said, King Agrippa and all the men who are here present with us, you see this man about whom the whole assembly of the Jews petitioned me, both at Jerusalem and here, crying out that he was not fit to live any longer. But when I found that he had committed nothing deserving of death, and that he himself had appealed to Augustus, I decided to send him. I have nothing certain to write, my Lord, concerning him. Therefore, I have brought him before you, and especially before you, King Agrippa, so that after examination has taken place, I may have something to write. For it seemed to me unreasonable to send a prisoner and not specify the charges against him. So what we're seeing here is Paul's made this appeal but Festus, does he have any clue what's going on? No, he doesn't have any clue at all. So let's notice now. On the next day, Paul appeared before Agrippa, Bernice, Festus, and the other prominent people. Okay? And the other prominent people. So notice now, Festus gives this introduction. And this is where we're going to stop today. Festus presented Paul as a man whom the Jews in Caesarea and Jerusalem wanted to be killed. So stop for a moment. He knows what the issue here is. These guys want him dead. So he knows that much. He, was not, he had not found Paul guilty of anything deserving of death, and Paul has appealed to Caesar. So he hasn't found him guilty of anything, plus add to it now, Paul has appealed to Caesar. And then finally... He does not know what charges to submit against Paul to Caesar. Here's what he's got to do. He's got to send Paul to Caesar, which notice now the title here is Augustus. That was a title used from every subsequent Caesar. It was a title referring to the fact that he was Caesar. It's Augustus. Okay, it's not, he's Nero, but the title is given to him Augustus. But I want you to notice now, he doesn't know, I'm sending this guy to Caesar, but I don't really know what to accuse him of. I don't know what the charges are. You ever been arrested? What are the charges? We haven't figured that out yet. You wouldn't last long in jail, right? They, would, they, they couldn't hold you for long. You know what I'm saying? They haven't figured out what the charges are here. So he's saying, Grippa, I need your help to figure out what to say is wrong so when I send him to Caesar, I don't look like a fool. Did you understand what I'm saying? I don't look like a fool. All right, now. Next week, we're going to see Paul's defense before Agrippa. And this is going to be very interesting next week. So once again, he's going to go through his story of his conversion experience. And when you go through that story, you're going to see that he's going to mention some things that we've not seen before, not heard mentioned before, but it's all part of his conversion experience, so we're going to see his defense. 